Eagles Entertainment. Both the hero and the coward feel the same thing. Both experience fear. The difference is the reaction to that fear. These are scary times we're living in. The future is in question. We're fighting an unknown enemy. And our civilization around us is shutting down. All of us have choices to make. All of us can be a hero. Social distancing does not mean social isolation. Cowards right now are running, sequestering resources and money, and fending only for themselves. Heroes are supporting their communities and uplifting others. Whether you're in a position to give to COVID-19 relief funds, support local businesses, or give to food banks, or just bring joy and unite others, all of us can be a hero. This too shall pass. And if we remain united against this foe and adhere to our government's local regulations, all of us will get through this together. Stay safe, stay involved, and go Eagles. Hello, Eagles everywhere, and welcome to the Eagles Insider Podcast, presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro with you. And a shout-out to everyone. Hope you're all healthy and doing okay, practicing social distancing. We are all in this together during these very difficult times in America and around the world. We've got a podcast for you here talking about the Eagles as they get through uh, the first week of free agency and come through in really flying colors. Headline signings, some big a big trade with the acquisition of Darius Slade at the cornerback position. It's intercepted! Darius Slade! Sanu intercepted by Darius Slade! It's Slade's second pick of the game! Initially that was Michael Thomas on the catch, but it's picked off. Darius Slay steals the ball right out of his hands. Agreed to terms, of course, on all of these moves. Javon Hargrave in at defensive tackle. Pocket collapses, and down he goes. Javon Hargrave back inside the 15, near the 12. Wow, that was great. That's the way you collapse the pocket. Agreeing to terms on a new deal with the Eagles. So we'll talk about those two players specifically with our special guest in just a bit, a member of the Philadelphia Eagles Hall of Fame. Tom Zach retreats, and he looks over the middle, and it's intercepted. Seth Joyner comes up with the turnover, and that is something the Eagles have excelled in this season. We remember him for his punishing style on the football field. He did it all. Seth Joyner joins us in just a bit. Third, ten and a half, shotgun formation, Sims. Takes his drop, fires to the far side, batted in the air, intercepted, and down the far sideline goes Seth Joyner into the end zone. First and 10, Washington, the ball at their own 38. Don Warren, the tight end, goes in motion on first down. It's play action. Ripman throwing on the run. It's intercepted. And tightrope walking down the far sideline is Seth Joyner to the 10 to the 5. Touchdown, <laughs> Seth Joyner! Seth Joyner we got to talk about the 2020 Philadelphia Eagles. What did you think of the first week of free agency? I thought it was crazy, man. I've never seen, I mean, you know free agency is going to have, you know, some movement, but I've never, ever seen the type of movement, the type of players move, um, like in the first week of free agency. Um, It was just crazy to sit back and watch teams agreeing with this player and that player and the, whole landscape of the game is changing in some regards and um it's gonna be kinda of hard to watch teams this year, you know, if they get back on the field and understand and realize, you know, that, you know, this guy ain't playing here no more. He's over here. It's crazy. What do you think it was like for Eagles fans when, when you and Clyde left? I mean, 
right? Oh, oh I'm pretty, I'm positive that it was that way, you know, but the, you know, a lot of ways the mad exodus had already, you know, began. You know, Reggie left, Keith, Keith Jackson had already left, um, and um, I want to say, I believe Keith Byers had already left. I think and, you're uh, correct, yeah. And, um, and I got to, I got to believe that, you know, Clyde and I leaving must have just been, you know, just shock for everybody um, to have that many guys leave in successive years. But, um, you know, I think the fan bases now across the country, you know, they're pretty, they're pretty okay with this being the new reality. Seth, how difficult is it? Uh, we'll, we'll talk about what the Eagles have done, but how difficult is it? You know, you, you're a Philadelphia Eagle, man. Everybody, you identifies at least here with you in the field of how difficult is it to leave a team? Well, I think today is a lot easier for these players, you know, to say goodbye, you know, because their, their mindset is, Oh, you know, it's, it's just business. You know, at least that's what they make it seem like when you um, read their, their social media. Um, they, 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 they put on this front like it's no big deal. And I don't know, maybe it isn't. Maybe that's the way they're bred nowadays. I know for us, um, you know, to play in one city for eight years um, without the prospect of being able to shop yourself to the rest of the NFL, um, and especially Philadelphia, because, I mean, it really goes way beyond just playing for an organization. When you play for the fan base of Philadelphia, it's a whole different ball of wax. Um, so after eight years to just pack up and leave and realize, you know, you're going to put on a different uniform for a different team. Um, yeah, it's hard, man. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's hard in the, in the summertime, you know, it, it was even more difficult being here in Arizona, you know, I mean, but, um, <laughs> in the wintertime in the wintertime it wasn't all that bad but um that's 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 a little tongue-in-cheek but you know it, it's it's tough it's tough to um you know be in a, a different environment on a different set of circumstances when you're used to things being a certain way and um pre-free agency that's what it was like Seth had there been social media back then what kind of reaction do you think Eagles fans would have had for you leaving Philadelphia Oh, no doubt about it. It would have been nasty. Um, I realized that. I mean, the first time I came back, um, you know, and the first time my, my name came across, you know, the PA system, you know, it, there was booze. Um, so I realized, you know, that that's going to be the mode of operation. That's the way it was going to be. Um, but it's okay because, you know, I knew deep down, you know, that, they still love me. They were just hurt, and I had on the enemy's uniform, so, you know, they had to do that. Um, but that's just – that's the way it is. I mean, you know, when you play in Philadelphia, there's certain things you come to expect and certain, you know, certain times that's just the way it is, and you just roll with it. All right, Seth, so the Eagles go into this free agency, and it seems like they reportedly here took a lot of people by surprise, agreeing to terms with a defensive tackle – Javon Hargrave, and I wanted to get your opinion on this former Pittsburgh Steeler. Well, you know, he's not your traditional nose tackle that, you know, people like to subscribe to, you know, guys that play in the 30 front, you know. Um, 
most of the time when you think of a nose tackle, um, he's a, he's a plugger. He's pretty much a guy that will sit, you know, in a, a zero, a, a one, a two eye, and really never get outside the guard that rarely has any kind of movement. It's just going to eat up two blockers, you know, so the linebackers can, can get there and run the game and, you know, he'll eat up two blockers and hopefully you can delay blitz and get a middle linebacker bringing some pressure up the middle. Um, he's not that guy. I mean, I was really surprised when I went back and looked the film out on him because he can do a little, he can do, he can do it all. I mean, the guy can play the run. Um, he can just, he just, he gives guards and centers fits, um, you know, in the run blocking schemes, got good feet, good hand usage. And, um, he's also a pretty darn good pass rusher. Um, I wasn't surprised because, you know, Jim Schwartz's defense is built upon, you know, the defensive line. I mean, it, it's just, you know, we can talk about um, all the things that he should do, all the things that he would do, you know, after four years. I think it's just a foregone conclusion that his defensive philosophy is that you win with the guys up front. So if that's the case, then they're going to build there. That's going to be the first place that they build, and that's exactly what they've done. And then there's rumors about, you know, um, Yannick out of um, out of Jacksonville. That you know, there's some conversations there. I, I think that'll be a little difficult to pull off, given the salary cap and you know the draft capital they would have to give up in order to get him. Um, but it's obvious to me that they realize that they need to upgrade and and, and give Fletcher Cox some help. And um, so I'm hoping that Malik Jackson comes back full strength. You got Hargrave, and the middle of that line is going to be ferocious. How much does having a ferocious middle of the line open up things for the edge? Well, I you know, a lot of people probably won't agree with me. I still think they need to upgrade there. You know, I, I don't know. Um, I, I love Everson, you know, Everson Griffin is a guy that, you know, that they can bring in. Um, a lot of people, you know, A, have questioned, you know, his mental health. And maybe that's the reason why Minnesota, you know, is in a hurry to, to bring him back. Um, the guy came back and played all last year, no incident. That's the first thing. The second thing is that, you know, everyone's talking about the cost. In my opinion, the longer he stays on the market, the cheaper he will become. Um, and I think that they need some defensive end help. Um, you know, Josh, Josh Sweat's, um four sacks is fine. Brandon Graham's eight and a half sacks is fine. Um, uh, um, Derek Barnett's um, five sacks, you know, that's fine. But that's not enough. In my opinion, you need more pressure on the edge. Um, and Everson Griffin is a is a is really a traditional four three defensive end. I mean, the guy's you know six four, two hundred seventy two hundred seventy five two hundred eighty pounds you know, can play the run well, can give you consistent pressure off the edge. Um, and I think he'd be a great addition to this defensive line. Seth, the Eagles went out and made the trade, reportedly, of course, we have to still say that, because Darius Slay has not signed a contract yet, had a physical. What are your thoughts on adding that kind of cornerback, three straight Pro Bowls, to this defense, to the back end of this defense? Well, you have to. I mean, after what this – Secondary has endured the last couple of years. Um, you know, you, you, this is a move that they had to make. 
and he, he, they couldn't go back, go into the drafts and hope that you draft a guy and uh, and develop him. I just think that you know this is a move you had to go get a proven guy that could that could really get it done, um, a guy that can provide some leadership. Um, now that you know you decide to move on from Malcolm Jenkins, um, it, it was just necessary. I mean, you you don't you don't really want to have to spend that type of money. Um, and free agency, you know, but um, given the issues that, you know, that the Eagles have on, on the defensive side of the ball, specifically at the cornerback position the last, you know, three years, um, this is a move that they just had to make. Seth, it's interesting. I mean, I, Eagles fans, I, we all watched you play linebacker, and we know the kind of linebacker you were and playmaker all over the field. The idea that Jalen Mills could be used in that role and that what Malcolm's role was, I mean, the way that the linebacker position has evolved, what do you see just the way the Eagles use their linebackers and the way that's, that's whole, that whole thing has changed since the, since the 1990s? In, in a lot of ways, I can kind of understand um, why teams are doing what they're doing. Um, but when you, get, when you start playing against teams, you know, that, that start playing chess, you know, it becomes problematic. And, and what, I, what I mean by that is, you know, if I'm an offensive coordinator, you're going to come out and you're going to live in nickel and dime. And I've got, you know, a good blocking tight end, but he's also a good, you know, receiving tight end. You know, depending on what personnel is, I can check with me as an offensive coordinator at the line and run a pass the ball anytime I want to. You know, so anytime I see that I've got a light box, if I've got five guys in the box because I've got you spread out, or you know you're in you're in dime, you know, and you got an extra defensive back in the game who's in the box, you know, I'm gonna check. Especially if I got good blocking wide receivers, I can check. I can motion that guy in and check, and block it up, and I so I can do whatever I want to do with you. It's important to be able to have linebackers, in my opinion, that you know can really do it all, to have the ability to play the run, but they're not a, such a liability in the passing game that you have to go to dime, you know, situations. You have to, you know, take guys off the field because if you've got linebackers that can cover tight ends, that cover backsides of the backfield, you know, the game is so much easier because now when you go six-man box, it's different. You know, if you happen to drop a safety down into the box, you know, to help out on the edge. Now you still got six guys across the front or seven guys across the front. You're a six-man six man box, a six-man big box, you know, with an extra guy dropping down on the edge. Um, you can control the line of scrimmage that way um, when you need to blitz. Uh, and I know that a lot of this kind of comes from, um, you know, Jim Johnson's style of defense and what, and how he saw the game. Um, you know, Brian Dawkins was just such a great player that you know, you could get away with him being Mr. Everything because you can drop him in the box. I mean, he, you know, he was darn near leading the team in every statistical category because when they needed to have a play, hey, let's just drop Brian down in the box and let Brian do it. If you, if, if you needed somebody covered, you know, that wasn't a X or a Z, a, a, X, a X or a Z, you just put Brian down in the box and let him cover. 
you know, if you needed to bring pressure, you just blitz Brian, let Brian take care of it. You know, and they got away with some of that the last couple of years with Malcolm Jenkins. Now they're going to try it with Jalen Mills. I'll say this. I don't know yet. Let's wait and see how the experiment works. But but Jalen Mills has never been the type of tackler that Malcolm Malcolm Jenkins is. Malcolm Jenkins knew and understood, and, and understood, much like Brian Dawkins, as much about that defense and that defensive philosophy than anybody else on, on that team. So now you have to replace a guy that's so versatile across the board. And was Jalen Mills paying attention that well out at the corner position? I mean, you have to ask those questions if, because if you don't, you know, you just turn a, a, a blind eye to what possibly what, what the situation could possibly be. So what do you give up? You give up leadership. You give up versatility. You know, um, you give up all of these things. And maybe even you give up coverability. You know, because is is you know we know that Jalen's a four or five guy, so now you put him in a situation where you when you do put him on the hash, can he come off the hash and cover half the field? When you do rotate the safeties, can he play the middle of the field and bear the look off by the by the quarterback and still get to a play on the wide on the wide side or you know whatever? So you have to ask all of these questions, but you know I think it's also fair that we just we wait and see how this experiment actually works out. And, and you know, before I say it won't, you know, I, I'll just wait. We'll, we'll yeah, see. Time will tell. It'll be interesting. And you, and you hope that you can get a full off season of OTAs because that's, that's going to be, you're going to need a lot of reps there, right? You're going to need him to, if that's what they decide to do, he's going to need to get as many reps as he can to understand all of his responsibilities. So, I think it's it's a really interesting proposition. I wonder, Seth, for you, um, what uh, what do you think the Eagles should do moving forward here between now and and then the end of the draft? I mean, it, it, we're only a month out from the draft. True. Um, I think you know, I don't know. I can't really get into Holly's head and, and you know get an idea of what he's thinking. Um, I, I still think that you know wide receiver is a priority. You know, even though the wide receiver uh, position in the draft is extremely deep, I think, you know, there's going to be some good wide receivers well late into um, the third round, the second round, I should say, that, that are going to be available. Um, does that mean, that, you know, that you can wait that long? You know, the question is, you know, uh, do they have a guy that they're looking at um, that they really love. And then, you know, when you look at what's left in free agency at wide receiver, you know, is there is there any speed guy with good hands that runs good routes that's willing to block that is actually still out there that's still available? Um, probably not, you know, but, you know, can you go get a, a, a Robbie Anderson, the guy, you know, who you've been interested in, you know, in the past? Um, you know, are, are they waiting for, the market to minimize in order to be able to go get some of these guys. Um, you know, I don't know if that's, you know, sometimes that's a smart thing to do. Sometimes, you know, while you're waiting somebody else, you know, like Emmanuel Sanders, I kind of have my fingers crossed on him. And then all of a sudden I, you know, look at, look at the, um, look at the news wire yesterday and the Saints snatch him up. So I, I think that's still a, a position of concern because I think, you know, they're definitely in position 
at 21 to be able to get a good wide receiver. And I think they'll get a guy who's ready to play, you know, out the gate. Um, I think, you know, with, with Big V, you know, going to Detroit and Jason Peters, you know, trying to figure out, you know, whether, um, you know, he can get 10 to $12 million from another team. Um, there's some concern at for depth. Um, for the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, we know that they're going to continue to build the offensive side of the ball, you know, in a lot of lot of ways because, you know, you, you make Carson Wentz your franchise quarterback, you're darn, near, you're darn sure better give him A, weapons, and you better protect him. Um, you better protect that that investment. So I still expect for them to continue to, you know, upgrade on the offensive side of the ball. And I would love to see them, you know, go get a, a, a good wide receiver or a couple of good wide receivers. Listen, to, to me, there's nothing wrong with having a bunch of speed guys. You know, we need speed, but we also need guys who, who have great hands. I mean, you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, they got speed all over the field. Um, and and, and I would imagine they'll continue to, to build in that, that area. Um, you don't have to just have one guy, you know, even if we get d back and he's 100% and he can give us, you know, a solid year next year, there's nothing wrong with having another guy on the other side that could just straight strike fear, you know, in the hearts of, you know, defenses and defensive coordinators. Because, you know, when you got to take away more than one guy, that makes it problematic, you know, for, for any any um, any defense and any defensive coordinator. So um, I, I would – offensive line depth, you know, a good veteran wide receiver that's, that's proven, don't know if that's out there, don't know if Howie can, you know, pull some strings and, you know, make a trade for a guy if that's if that's a viable deal. But um, in my opinion, those are, you know, two areas where I believe um, that he's not done yet. Hey, that's great. Seth, Seth final question. It, had you been a free agent in 2020 in your prime, how much would you have signed for? What would the oh market be for Seth Joyner? My gosh, with, you know, with five to eight years of, um, you know, a, a proven play, my gosh, I'm looking at some of these guys now. I mean, they're, they're, some of these defensive players are, you know, making what used to be considered quarterback money. Um, you know, I, I hope my play was good enough to get me somewhere, you know, in the 10 to 15 range. Can you, you know, imagine? That, 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 that would that would have been sweet. I mean, especially after the '91 season, I probably could have wrote wrote whatever I wanted. But <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's um it's it's unbelievable to watch the money. I mean, I saw Chris Long on you know posted something on Twitter, you know, about him coming out of retirement, looking at these contracts that these guys are signing. You know, hey, I agree. You know, yeah, I, I don't I don't think that a lot of these guys are gonna see the longevity of some of these contracts, unless they're really young guys. Um, but man, would I have loved to, you know, been a free agent in today's day and age. And to be honest with you, you know, Hey, in 87, when we went on strike, this is what it was all about to be able to have free agency, to have the salaries rise so that these players, these guys that come behind us will be able to make the type of money that they make. I'm not mad. At them. I'm happy for them. That's good to hear. Some guys, some guys are not happy about that. Hey, why not? Yeah. <laughs> why not? Yeah. I mean, listen, you, there was a group of guys pre-1986, you know, that went through some issues and made some sacrifices 
for for me to be able to make the type of money that I made. I mean, you got to remember, you know, year five, I want to say, or year six for me and Clyde, we were the first two players in the history of the NFL to make a million dollars without having been to the, to the Pro Bowl. Yeah. I remember that. You know, that was a big deal. So now, why would I be upset that these other guys, these young guys, that I sacrificed five games for, you know, back in 1987 for these guys, you know, to be able to get free agency, to be able to write plan B off to, for these guys to be able to make that kind of money. I mean, there's being angry about it doesn't do you any, any good. And then not realizing that, Hey, that was the reason why, yeah, we were trying to fix the situation for ourselves as players, but ultimately if we fixed it for ourselves, just like those before us, we were going to fix it for the, for the future generation. I think those guys just get upset sometimes because the guys today don't seem to know the history and they don't seem to understand that the table was set by sacrifices that were made long ago. And sometimes, you know, these players, they need to understand that. They need to know the history so that they can understand what's required for them moving forward. That being said, they've already mortgaged, you know, their the, the, the future by signing, you know, this, the CDA for virtually 11 years. I, I I just, that's wrong in my opinion. You know, that CBA needs to be a maximum of five years because the landscape is always changing. Very professional perspective. Very, uh, very gracious perspective as well. I don't, I didn't expect anything uh, otherwise from you. You're always very much on point, Seth. I appreciate it very much. Anytime, my friend. Anytime. Take care. Be safe out there. We'll do you too. From the time Seth joined me on the podcast to now, the Eagles have made two moves. Additionally, adding to the defense. Defense really getting a facelift here in this early portion of the offseason. The Eagles agreeing to terms with safety Will Parks, who comes back to Philadelphia. There's the first career interception for Will Parks. The extra point blocked! Will Parks, the rookie out of Arizona, scooped it up! Now throws back at the end zone. Going to be intercepted in the end zone. Will Parks with a huge play. Eight yards deep in the end zone. An all-Southeast Pennsylvania selection at Germantown High School. Played collegiately at the University of Arizona. Was drafted by the Broncos in 2016 in the sixth round. He's 25 years old. Started 15 games with the Broncos. 62 games total. Four interceptions. 13 passes defensed. Good special teams player, called by Pro Football Focus after the 2018 season as the Broncos' most improved player. Actually, was named the Broncos' most improved player uh, by Pro Football Focus and called the model for the modern dime linebacker. So the Eagles likely to take a look at him in a bunch of different roles. His versatility will certainly come in handy for Jim Schwartz's defense because you know Jim likes to move his pieces around and you could see Parks in a very vital role. The Eagles also agreeing to terms on a new contract, a one-year deal for both Parks and linebacker Jatavis Brown. Pressure coming. Jatavis Brown on that sack. The football came out. Oh, Jatavis Brown absolutely put a big shot on as he lowered those pads. Who played with the Chargers and After his rookie season, seemed like things were going in the right direction for Brown. He was given an 
grade of 80.8 by Pro Football Focus after that first year. Fifth round draft pick 2016. Not that big. 5'11", 221, fast, versatile, kind of in the vein of Camus Grugier-Hill, who reportedly left the Eagles in free agency and signed with the Miami Dolphins, or at least agreed to terms with the Miami Dolphins. So those are the two newest Eagles, Will Parks and Jatavis Brown, both agreeing to terms over the weekend, one-year deals, the defense getting a boost, and again and again. Long way to go here in the offseason. The draft, April 23rd. We're one month away from the 2020 NFL draft. Many thanks to Seth, and thanks to all of you for joining us here on the Eagles Insider Podcast. If you subscribe, we thank you. If you don't, please do so. Pass the word. Drop a little five-star rating for us. Just take a moment to do that. That really makes a big difference. I would thank you so much if you did so. And give us suggestions on what you'd like to hear. At this point, we're still not allowed to talk to the new Eagles until they sign their contracts. So keep that in mind. Because you know that I will give you the best access you can find anywhere right here on the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Thanks to Peter Kelly for his production. Thanks to Ray Doyle for his promotion and for helping put this podcast together. And thanks to all of you for joining. We'll be back on Wednesday with another edition of the Eagles Insider Podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro saying thanks, everyone. Have yourselves a great Eagles day. Fly, Eagles, fly. And stay healthy. Be smart. Make a difference. Do your part. Have a great night, everyone. And please be safe out there. E-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles!